You're listening to the Paradox Church Podcast. Paradox Church is a Jesus-centered community where our motto is, Come as you are, no perfect people allowed. For more information about our service times, location, and to get connected with us, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, Paradox. This is Pastor Mike. I'm coming to you today from the woods, but not just any woods. This place is, is pretty special to me. Uh, this is this is a woods here in the area um, that I've come with uh, Craig McGlasson, Pastor Craig McGlasson, for many years. Uh, he first invited me many years ago with some other guys to come out here on a good Friday morning early just to spend some time in prayer and, and just to hear from God. And for the past several years, we've been coming here on Good Friday, uh, and it's been great. Great place to just hear nature and be in God's presence um, and hear from him. And uh, just dawned on me that with Good Friday less than a week away uh, and all that's going on right now with the uh, corona pandemic that um, we probably won't be here together. Um, and while that saddens me, I'm just sitting here now, I'm just filled with a peace about it because I know God is, is working and I know uh, he's bringing about an end to this. Um, and right now in this moment, I just feel at peace knowing that with all the changes and everything going on, that this place hasn't changed. And that more importantly, that God hasn't changed. Um, he still wants to love me, love us, and meet with us. Uh, and I think that he can meet with us here today now. So let's do that. Let's invite him in. God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for holding the weather uh, good today so I could film this. Uh, thank you that you called me out here. Uh, thank you for the times that you've met me out here in this place. Um, to just meet with you. I ask God that you would meet with us here today uh, as I open up your word uh, and as we look at it today. Uh, for me here in the woods and for those at home in the, in the living room or wherever they're watching or hearing this, that you would meet us, that, that as we read your word, you would speak to us and that you would just continue to love us uh, the way you always do. God, thank you. I love you. Amen. So we are in week three of a series called Anxious for Nothing, um, and we have a lot to be anxious about right now. So we're going um, to bring a word of hope today as, as we deal with everything that's going on, a uh, word of hope. And I want to start in the book of Philippians where we started this series uh, with the writing of Paul. But before I do, just two things I want to remind you of real quick to kind of set the table for this. Um, with, with all that's going on with, with this pandemic, I want to remind you that and on our website, paradoxchurch.com uh, forward slash updates, um, you can find all the latest information because along with bringing a message of hope, we also want to bring help to one another. So if you can help someone or if you need help, um, you can go to that page and find it. Also, we want to bring home to one another as we're, as we're many of us stuck in our homes. We want to be a home for one another, even if that's virtually and this time. So again, go to that site and you can find different ways to connect to people there. We're going to have some virtual cafes open after this message um, that, that you can join. And the one other thing I wanted to point out is that while you're on our website, and maybe you want to even click over to that right now as I'm talking, um, you'll notice on that top bar, there's a, there's a little place to click give. Uh, when, we're, when we're together, we get to pass the bucket and we get to have a time for our morning offering. Obviously, we can't do that right now. Uh, so we want to be able to do that virtually. Uh, and again, like we, like we say when we're in person, 
Uh, this moment isn't for everyone. If, if you call Paradox your church, if you've enjoyed our ministry, um, and rather if you've uh, enjoyed how God is being able to use us, and if you're a part of our family and after what we're after with God and you want to support um, the work that we're doing, um, I would ask that you go and click give. That will lead you to a website where you can set up, uh, you can give a one-time gift or you can set up, like many of us have, a reoccurring gift. Um, the, the honest truth is that with everything going on and not meeting together, uh, there's, a, there's a risk that our church will take a decent hit in finances. So, And I know many of you are going to take a decent hit in finances as well, many of us. Um, so if you can, uh, we would ask that you would give in this time so that when all this passes by, we are in a, in a financial position as a church to go after helping our community uh, to get back on its feet. So do that as, you, as you're clicking over to that and checking that out. I want to give you a little bit of background about the scripture verse that we're going to read. So it comes from the book of Philippians. Uh, it was written by a guy named Paul. So Paul was a, was a religious leader at the time, part of a group called the Pharisees. Now, Pharisees in Jesus' age were the Jewish leaders who were very legalistic. Like they knew the, the, the law of Moses, all 600 and some laws very closely. And they... they we're very good at helping the people follow. Anyway, Paul was one of these leaders. And so, so when, when Jesus uh, died on the cross and rose again, right, and he ascended into heaven, and the, the time afterwards, the, the news about Jesus, the good news, the gospel is spreading everywhere. And as you may imagine, those who didn't see Jesus as the Messiah, the promised one of God, the chosen one, whatever you want to call it, um, were intent on stopping that spread. Paul was one of those guys until he met Jesus. Jesus literally met him on a road, blinded him, physically blinded. Um, he was healed, opened his eyes, and Paul went on to become one of the greatest uh, apostles, teachers, um, evangel uh, um, evangelicals for, um, for the gospel. And many of what we have in this book, uh, a fifth of the books in this Bible were written by Paul, letters that he wrote to other churches. And the one we're going to open with, the one that's been the focus of our series, Anxious for Nothing, uh, is from a letter he wrote to the church in Philippi, starting in chapter 4. So I want to read this to you. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have to understand, when Paul wrote this letter to this church, he was sitting in a Roman jail. Now, now Paul had lawn, long, lawned, to, uh, lawned for a long time to, to go visit this emerging church in Rome. And he wrote to them in the book of the book of Romans. Uh, this was a letter that he wrote before the book of Philippians to them. And he said right in the very beginning of it, he says, I long to come see you. I hear the good things that God is doing and the way he's working. Uh, and he longed to go there as, as a preacher, as a leader, and teach and help guide them as a church. And he ended up there, but he ended up there as a prisoner. Uh, and in a jail cell, when faced with probable execution, um, Paul was able to continue the ministry. He didn't get to continue the ministry that he had to, to tell people the good news about Jesus. And one of the things he did is wrote, pen that letter to the church at Philippi. And, and Paul's decision to follow after Jesus um, led him to a lot of trouble. Um, 
But as I think we can see through this writing, that that same man was able to write, uh, do not be anxious about anything. So how is that possible? How, how could Paul have this peace that transcends understanding and not be anxious when, when his decisions have, have led him to the place that he's in? And that's what we want to talk about a little bit this morning as we, as we talk through being anxious for nothing is talking about our decisions because oftentimes decisions can lead to lots of anxiety for us in our lives. Sometimes anxiety comes just from the surroundings and what's happening around us. Um, like this COVID-19 pandemic, like that wasn't a decision any of us made, right? It's just happening to us. But even in those times, we make decisions about how to react to the things around us. And we, and we also obviously make decisions about what steps we should do and how we should live our lives and the things that come up. We're bombarded with decisions all the time through our day. Some are big and some are small. And, and, and especially in this time right now, uh, all of the decisions that we, we make just seem to be amplified, magnified by the current situation. I know, I know for April and I, there's been some healthy discussion. It seems like simple life decisions like, should I go and grab the mail out of the mailbox? Um, raises questions and there's a, that decision, like I said, is magnified. Well, should I wipe it down first? You know, and um, my, my mom, who's, who's a little bit older and, and more at risk, like has to make some tough decisions about when and how and if to leave her house or how to let us come and help her. So just we're all struggling with these decisions, financial decisions uh, that are really starting to, to, to rear their ugly head and, and make it worse as time goes on. And it's tough. How do we, how do we make these decisions? And, 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 and all this anxiety that can build up over the decisions that can come can be very difficult to deal with. In fact, even before all of this happened, we were starting to move towards what many were calling an age of anxiety. If you look at studies and trends, uh, especially from younger generations, um, Gen Z, millennials, uh, there's, there's more and more we're seeing all of us, and especially the younger generations, cope, have to cope and deal with anxiety. So why is that? Why is it that, that we're so anxious about what's going on, especially when it comes to our decisions? Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. There's many, but just two that I think we can focus and look at today. Uh, and one is just simply this. There's just too many stinking choices right now. We live in a day and age where there's so many choices. For those of, for those of you who are stuck at home and, and, and have been turning more to, uh, to television to pass the time, right? I mean, just look at Netflix alone. You've got thousands of different options of what to watch. And oh gosh, if you have more than one streaming service and you have Disney and Netflix and Hulu and whatever, like now you've got tens of thousands of different options. Who can make all those choices? It becomes overwhelming the amount of choices that you have. I don't know about you, but like I kind of miss the days of back when I was younger, Sunday, uh, Saturday morning cartoons. Like, okay, so it's 1985. An 11-year-old Mikey wakes up on a Saturday morning. It's 8 o'clock. What am I going to do? I really don't have a decision to make. I'm going to watch Super Friends, right? ABC, 8 o'clock, I'm watching Super Friends. Why? Because I can't watch it at any other time. It's only on at 8 o'clock Saturday morning on this channel. Like, so I'm going to do that. Well, yeah, there's other channels. There's like three other choices. But I'm not going to watch the Snorks, which are like lame underwater Smurfs. I'm not going to watch Shirt Tails, which is like these cuddly little animals who whatever they thought or felt appeared on their shirts in words. Like, no, I'm watching Super Friends. 
yeah, it was my choice. I could have colored in a coloring book, but, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, like nowadays we have so many more choices and studies show that that can become overwhelming and actually come become a paralyzing um, force when we're trying to make decisions in this life. And there's just so many choices to make. Our kids nowadays, studies show, have over 5,000 decisions that they have to make every day. For us adults, that multiplies 35,000 on average decisions that we make every single day as an adult, right? And with so many different options, every single one of those decisions sometimes can just feel overwhelming and can be paralyzing with the amount of choices that you have. It complicates our decision-making process. And here's another reason, along with the number of choices that we have, sometimes the magnitude of the choices that we have to face can be overwhelming, right? Sometimes being afraid of making a costly mistake and making the wrong choice can become the most anxious part of, of all for us, right? Like, what if I choose the wrong person, right? What if, what if I'm going after the wrong career? What if, what if, what, what if I pick the wrong neighborhood to live in? What if I picked the wrong school choice for my kids? All these, all these big decisions in life where there's, where there's consequences and real ramifications for us and for others for years to come can sometimes be so big that they become paralyzing. And for us as Christians, it, it sometimes doesn't feel any easier because on top of that, we are also factoring in God into the equation. It's not just about us or about other people in our lives. It's also about him and his will. Is this choice that I'm making, is this in God's will? Is this going against God's will? Should I go have this conversation with this person? Should I not? What about this mission trip? Should I go on this mission trip? Is he calling me to that or do I just want to go? Like, All of these things start to play with our heads and over and over they spin around. And sometimes the weight, not just the amount of choices that we have to make, but the weight of some of those heavier choices can weigh us down. They can cause us to hesitate. It can cause us to freeze. It can cause indecision. And the reality is that indecision, not choosing to do something, is a choice. So really, we have no way of avoiding these heavy choices in our lives and the amount of choices in our lives. So what do we do? What's the answer? How do, how do we go after all these choices and make the right decision in every circumstance? Well. First of all, you can't. We're never going to make the right choices in all circumstances. And there are things you can do. There's, there's plenty of tools out there that you can use. There's, there's books that have been written on this. There's podcasts you can go and listen to that are really good and will help you go through a decision-making process. And, and we don't have time to go through all of those today. But I do want to share one simple truth with you. If making decisions can sometimes feel, uh, get us anxious and, and be complicated, there's one simple truth that I think we can pull from scripture that I hope will really help us to not be anxious during those decisions that we have to make. And I want to read for you. Uh, it comes from the book of Acts. So again, going back to Paul's time, early church, the, the word of God is spreading. The gospel is spreading all over the place. Churches are starting to pop up in people's homes in different cities, right? And with that, as as the good news is spreading, some questions are spreading. There's some decisions that have to be made about how people are doing church together. Um, and one of those decisions centered around um, 
the church of Antioch. So Paul, who we already talked about, uh, and his friend Barnabas, they're, they're, they're preaching and they're leading in, this, in the city of Antioch. And the word is spreading and it's good and a lot is happening. And at this time, some people came to town from Jerusalem with good intention of also leading the people there towards, towards Jesus and towards the gospel. But in that, they were, they were expressing that there was some Jewish customs and traditions that God had given the Jewish people that they felt should still be followed. In fact, they were saying that for those to be truly saved uh, in Antioch, they had to follow these certain guidelines. Some of them had to do with, with eating certain kinds of food and not eating certain kinds of food. And, and for the men, um, there was also the uh, tradition of circumcision. I know, right? So basically what these people were saying to new believers who come in to hear of Jesus and accept God's grace is, that's great. Yes, God lives in your heart and you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You just need to do a little snip snap first. Like, whoa, like this was understandably uh, causing some confusion and some misunderstanding and, and uh, no shortage of anxiety uh, there in that community. So Paul and, Paul and Barnabas decide that they are going to go themselves to Jerusalem, to the council. Peter, James, some of the, the disciples who first walked with Jesus and talked were still alive and there in Jerusalem, and they had kind of created an elder board. So they were starting to answer some of, excuse me, of these questions. So Paul and Barnabas go there, present this, and get, try and get their, device, um, their advice and their decision to this. I want you to hear, I'm going to read you three different verses. This is Acts chapter 15. If you've got the YouVersion app, you can follow along with us uh, as I read or open your Bibles. So I'm in chapter 15 of the book of Acts. I'm going to jump around verse 22, 25, and 28 because their answer to the question is as important as what I want you to hear through this. So listen to a phrase that's going to be repeated a couple times. Ready? Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Verse 25. It seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men and send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. 28. Now this is, this is in the letter that they actually sent back with Paul and Barnabas to the church. And in this letter, one of the things it said is, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than the essentials. Did you hear it? There's that phrase a couple times in here. Seemed good. It seemed good to them. The answer that they were sending back seemed good. I don't know about you, but like this was a really big decision they had. Like this decision that they had to make was <laughs> physically affect people, right? Certainly it was going to affect, be, there'd be ramifications to doctrine of the church, um, huge ramifications for the church in this decision. It just, to me, at first glance, seems a little strange that they used the, the phrase seemed good. As if, well, um, well, it seemed good to us. It feels right, uh, this, this, this answer that we're given. Is it that easy? When we're faced with a big decision, is it as easy as we should just go with what feels right? I mean, Scripture isn't clear on, on everything 100%, right? Should, should, should I call people a nincompoop? Like, on one hand, there's Scripture that says that we should share the truth in love. And if someone's being a nincompoop, should I call them that? Right? On the other hand, there's scripture that says, let only encouraging words leave your mouth. So, so nothing in scripture specifically tells me whether I should call people that, that word or not, right? So should I just do what feels right? Should they have just done 
what feels right. In fact, it reminds me of another verse in the Bible, going back to the Old Testament. There was this guy named um, Solomon. So Solomon had prayed for God's wisdom and God gave him godly wisdom. And Solomon wrote this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Wait a minute. So the, the church council in Jerusalem who were followers of Jesus did what they put in a letter seemed right to them, seemed good. And yet Solomon is saying that a way that seems right to a man can end in the way of death. Is this a contradiction? Is this not scripture lining up with itself? I don't think so. I think we want to look a little bit more closely at the wording to understand what's going on here. So, so in Proverbs, again, there is a way that seems right to a man, a man, but its end is the way of death. Now let's go back and look at what was written in Acts and look at that a little bit more closely. Here's what they said. Here's what Paul wrote. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders. So not a man, not one person, a group of men, an elder board coming together, apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men and so on and so forth. So it wasn't just even a group of men. This was a big decision. Sometimes in life, we have to pull everyone together to make a bigger decision. That's important. And, and, and was, it a, was it a hasty decision? Was it, was it something that was passed through quickly? And up, what's on the docket next? Listen to this. It seemed good to us having become of one mind. So this wasn't a decision they took lightly. They took time. They discussed it. Surely the people who first went to Antioch with this position that these things should happen were probably at that meeting, maybe arguing their case from Scripture. These guys took time to go through this together. In big decisions, sometimes we want to pull those around us to get a decision. And this is the key part here, verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So... Not just one guy, group of guys coming together, discussing. And the key to the whole thing is I guarantee from the very first time they got together, the first thing they did was pray and go to God and ask him, God, we need this to be your decision. This is a biggie. God, what would you have us do? And so this room full of people coming together, praying together for this, made, made this decision. And at the end, yeah, it's what seems right to us. It feels right to us. Why did it feel right to them? It felt right to them because they went through this process. It wasn't one person making a decision on their own. They were going through a process. It's a big difference between one person doing what seems right and a group of people who are following after the Lord in prayer to listen to him and to make a decision together. We don't have to make decisions on our own. We have a body of believers who can come around and do that. And, and for some of you, I, I feel like maybe you're honestly saying to yourself, I, I, I don't have that right now. Um, I don't know who I would go to, um, who's chasing after the Lord, who's in his word. Um, I'm not there yet. What do I do? What do I do? Because the last thing we want to do is, is go to the wrong people or listen to the wrong voices right? We definitely don't want to, to be living out the wrong values because if we do that, then what seems right to us could very well be what's wrong, what's wrong for us. Um, so 
I have some I have some suggestions for you. If that's you and you're looking for this community of believers who can come alongside, we have at Paradox what we call small groups. Small groups are groups of people who meet together. Uh, not these next couple weeks. We're meeting virtually online uh, in many cases, but when this is all done, we'll come back together in living rooms and at church. And, and, and even now, we're just in each other's lives, helping each other along the way. I know for April and I, having, having been in and led many small groups, um, not only have we been honored to be a part of other people's big decisions in their life, but we have benefited from being in a group of people who, we, who prayed with us through some stuff and who gave us advice, good godly advice, as we work through some things. And along with a small group of people, it's also wise to have what we sometimes call a climbing partner, or, or maybe some people would call it a wingman, right? If, if life is a mountain and you're trying to climb up it, how smart is it to have someone alongside with you? It could be your spouse. More often than not, it's, it's good to be a different person who can come alongside you, who's, who's got godly vision, is chasing after the Lord too, who can help hold your rope and pull you up, who is looking at things from a different perspective as you're trying to grab and make a decision on what uh, foothold or handhold to grab on this mountain as you're climbing up. This person can look from a different perspective and give you suggestions on where to, where to make your decisions. And they can see the blind spots that you don't see yourself. We all have blind spots, things that we just can't see about ourselves that might, that might lead us to make a decision that's not the best. So to have that other person or that other group to come alongside us and lead us in that is extremely important. We all need guidance in life. We don't have to do it alone. We weren't made to do it alone. And the good news is we don't have to, right? Um, think of it this way. We're all familiar with GPS, right? Global positioning system, right? We have it in our, our phones and on our cars. Um, what a cool tool, right? I remember when I was younger and I first learning to drive and had to, had to go out and find a place on my own, you either had to just, someone would, would sketch something on a piece of paper for you, or you'd have to pull out an unfolded big gigantic map that oftentimes was already outdated by the time you got it. And so many wrong turns, so many um, doubling backs and searching through a neighborhood to find where you were going because you didn't have a good tool. Along comes the GPS, right? Now we can just say to our phone or some of us to our car, um, take me to the nearest Taco Bell. And you get turn-by-turn -turn instructions on how to get there in the right directions. It's an amazing tool, right? To have something that is, is, is put together that where there's oversight, there's satellites that can look at a higher level than what we can see, can see the full picture and help us know where to go. In many cases, even tell us where the traffic and where the roadblocks are to avoid. That might be, this might be the straightest path, but you really want to go this way. What a cool tool that we have to use to help us navigate and make decisions on where to go physically on the road. The good news is we have a tool just like that, that we can use for decisions that we need to make in our life. I also call it GPS, but it's the godly positioning system. That's right. I just trademarked that. It's mine. Don't try and steal it, but you can use this. Um, godly positioning system, right? We've got a God who loves us who sees from a higher level than what we see, who sees the roadblocks that we can't see, who can t take us on the best path through decisions that we have to make. He does that through his word. He does that through other people in our lives, through, through, through the church, through small groups, through, through pastors or elders who can help with decisions, right? Through, through climbing partners and bring people 
that we bring along. God has the system in place to help us position us through our lives to make the best choices. The position that we take towards him is very important in that process. We're going to talk about that, but, but think about this. Um, let me ask this. We said that there's thousands of the decisions that we make every day. Some of them big, some like every decision, do we have to go to the GPS? No. If I'm going to drive to my neighbor's house, I don't, I don't ask my phone how to get there. I just go there, right? We don't have to drop to our knees and pray or call our small group or our pastor. Please don't. Every time we have a decision between cocoa puffs or cocoa pebbles in the morning, right? That's not the type of decisions we're talking about. But the decisions in our life, here's the test, ready? If there's a decision in your life that's causing you to worry, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. It's big enough to go to the GPS about, right? Oftentimes, anxiety, while, while anxiety can come from decisions, anxiety is, is like a signal. It's a signal that it's time to pray. Anxiety is a signal that this decision is, is not one I should take lightly. I need to go to God. I need to engage my GPS to get there through that, right? We don't, we don't, always, we don't always have the power. That, and really, anxiety is all about power. It's about, not power, control. That's the word. It's about control right? And and we feel anxious when we feel we don't have control. And when we have a big decision to make or lots of decisions and are feeling overwhelmed, we feel like we don't have control. And we don't. Oftentimes, we don't have the power of control. But the good news is we always have the power to surrender. We always have the power to flip on the GPS, the godly positioning system, and ask God to help and guide us. Go to him in prayer, right? Position ourselves to him in prayer and position ourselves to him in praise. We can, we can go to him with confidence because of who he is, because of the way he loves us and the way he showed us that love so many times. Let's go back one more time to, to Philippians in verse six. Listen to what Paul wrote. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, you could also read every decision because a situation is just something that's brought to us that then forces us to decide, decide what to do or how to react, right? So in every situation, every decision, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Did you see that? If we position ourselves in prayer, prayer and petition to him, going to him and asking him, if we position ourselves in praise, thanking him for the, the times he was faithful to guide us in the past, even thanking him in advance for the way he's going to answer and guide us in this time. If we go to him with that in this position of prayer and praise, then, then we can come out of that with confidence that we can then do what seems good, that feels right, because his Holy Spirit will speak to us or the people that he's brought around in our life can speak to us and turn that on. With a posture of prayer and praise, we will seek God and we will... We will do what seems right, and we can do it with confidence. But let's get real, all right? Let's get real for a second. Does that mean we're always going to make the right decisions then? If we engage our GPS, if if we're conscious of this, and we're always listening to others and doing this in the bigger decisions, are we always going to get it right? No, we're not, because we're people, (laughs) and that's not going to happen. So what do we do 
if we miss a turn. If the GPS tells us to go one way, we miss that turn, right? Well, what happens in our cars when you're driving, right? I don't know about you, but as I'm driving along, um, first of all, I hate the way the GPS always tells me like, like two miles to your exit, and then it's one mile, and then it's half a mile, 100 feet, 50, I'm like, I know, I got it, right? But the thing that gets me sometimes, it's like, takes the, take the next exit. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's confusing. Like, is the next exit the very next one here or the one that's here? Is that this exit? Because I'm at this exit. It says, take the next exit. Um, is that this one or is that the, the next one? So what happens if I choose wrong? What happens if I go a different way than the GPS wanted me to go? What do you hear? Well, you hear the, the kindly British lady or whatever voice you have set up say rerouting and GPS takes you a different path to the same destination. We have a good God who loves us, who's faithful. If, if, if we miss a turn that, that he would have had us take, what does he do? Does he give up on us? Does he, does he cut us off? Does he lead us over a cliff? No, he reroutes us. He reroutes us to, towards the same destination, whatever that was, whatever that good place is that we needed to get, he'll reroute us towards that time and time again. For some of us, we've taken the scenic route in life and we need a lot of rerouting, but God is faithful and he's true. and He will always reroute us back towards that, towards that path, towards where we need to go. Um, one, one wrong turn, one wrong turn will not keep us from the desired destination. God will always bring us back. So what, so so what do we do when we do make wrong turns though? Because we will, right? Like how do we how do we how do we deal with that? The anxiety that comes from the fact that we know we screwed up. Well, that's that's the good news, right? Like like Paul said, um, so Paul said this in Romans chapter eight. So the same same guy who wrote letter to Philippians wrote this letter to the Romans, and in chapter eight, Paul says this. And we know that in all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The good news that we have is that even if we do make a wrong turn, God will reroute us and he will work things for good along that path. As we're taking the longer path to get back to where he would have us, there's good that can come even from that. Even from this time of anxiety in this pandemic, um, did God bring this about? Does he want this to happen? No, but will he use it for good for us? Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Right? I mean, think about it. In a time of your life where maybe you were in a, maybe you were in a, a, a bad relationship uh, where the person was, was abusive and non-loving and you left that relationship. Um, yeah, you made a bad decision to be with that person. But now, out of that decision, you know what to look for. You know what a good, loving, godly person is who you, who you can go after and who you can trust. Um, maybe someone's broken your trust. Maybe you say to yourself, man, I never should have trusted that person or that situation. You're right. You made a mistake. You shouldn't have done that, right? But now from that, you're able, you're able to, to, to be wiser in the fact, and it gave you a chance to forgive that person. It gave you a chance to practice forgiveness in that. Maybe you made a big mistake in your life, a decision that you made that was wrong. I, Man, I never, I never should have gotten behind the wheel after having that many drinks. Uh, and it cost me. You're right. You shouldn't have done that. That was a bad decision, right? 
but God can use even that, right? So, so now, not only, not only were you wiser and able to come to that decision yourself, but now you can have compassion and a heart and help lead people who have gone through that in a way that no one else has, right? Uh, for, for those who have never been convicted of drunk driving, might look at someone who has and, and not be able to, to give them the grace and the peace that they might need to get past that. Whereas maybe someone who made that decision can do that. Do you see what I'm saying? Like God can take these situations that, that we find ourselves in, these, these decisions that we've made, and even when they're the wrong turn, as we're rerouting back to him, he can bring life through them. He can bring growth to us, to our character. We can change in powerful ways so that the next decision that we make and the next one, we can do it better. Um, we can have confidence. If we have a posture of prayer and a posture of praise for him, we can have confidence that what we can do what feels right and that he's leading us. And if we do veer off the path, that he will gently guide us back to where we need to be. I want to, as we're talking about decisions, I want, I want to close by sharing one last thought with you. And that's this. And I hope this is extremely freeing for you. Of all the thousands of decisions, millions of decisions that you have to make in your life, there's only two decisions, only two, that really matter. That really matter. And one of those two isn't even your decision. The first decision was not made by you. It was made by Jesus. So let's go back one more time to the book of Romans. Our good friend Paul, who's guiding us through this this morning, he wrote this to the church in Rome. He said, this righteousness, he's talking about the righteousness of God. Righteousness meaning being right with God. Paul says, this righteousness of God is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, right? So, and back in his context, those who, those who were the, the chosen of God and, and those who came to believe in him later in life, and like, right? So there's no difference between, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came from Christ Jesus. Jesus made a decision when he came to earth and he decided to die for your sins and for mine. Jesus made that decision. He decided to love us so much that he'd sacrifice his life, that he would take the pain of a cross, the most brutal, brutal death. We're going to talk about this more in the weeks to come with Good Friday and Easter coming up, and hear more about what happened on that week for him. He made that decision for you and for me all of us because he loved us so much and wanted relationship with us now and forever that was a decision that affects every life it was not made lightly but it had massive impact in the decision decision that jesus made the second decision that affects your life more than any other is yours and that's your decision to what what to do with that truth that jesus died for you the decision that you'll make about that should not be taken lightly, but like his, it has massive impact for your life. Can you accept that God would love you so much that he would sacrifice himself for you to be with you? 
for, for many of us, for some of us, we, we have made that decision. We have decided, yes, I accept this for gift. I accept it, God. Thank you. Maybe for some of you, that's something you want to do today. Maybe, maybe with all this craziness going on in the world, maybe God's been reaching out to your heart and calling to you. Maybe now is a time, unlike any other, that God can bring good from this horrible situation. And the good that's going to come from it today is you deciding to follow after him, to choose life, to download, download the GPS into your life. And let God position yourself in prayer and in praise to him right now and, and download that GPS. Allow God to drive and, and, and direct your life and life towards him. If that's something you want to do, please join me in prayer right now. You can, you can say along with me. You can just listen to my words and let them be yours uh, right now. Father in heaven, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your decision to choose us. God, you chose us first. You loved us first. You're so good. And because of that, we can love you back. Some of us resist that, Father. Some of us, God, resist that because, I don't know, we're proud. Our, some of us have stubborn hearts. Um, God, I pray that you would break that today. If there's anyone listening online that, that, that is ready, would you snap their heart open like a walnut? <laughs> Help them to make this decision to, to chase after you. You'll change their life in so many amazing ways as they'll follow after you, God. I know that. I felt it. I thank you. I thank you for the work that you're doing um, through this pandemic. I thank you for the way you're changing lives. I thank you for the way you're, you're leading us towards each other and leading us back to you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Jesus died for us. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us, your decision for us, so that we could even have a choice like this to make. Love you, Jesus. Amen. If you made that decision today, awesome. I'm so excited for you. Your life is going to change in so many different cool ways now. You've got the GPS. We want to know about it. Um, so you'll, you'll see in the comment section right now on Facebook, uh, we're opening up our virtual cafes. Or maybe the, the link has already passed by. But go and click on one of those links. If you would, join one of those. Share with the people in the room your experience this morning and how God's opened up your heart and how you downloaded that GPS. Or if you're, if you're more comfortable, maybe you could email us, info at paradoxchurch.com. That's our general email. Uh, that'll come to us. The pastors will see that and we can celebrate and share uh, in this awesomeness with you. For the rest of you, Paradox, I just thank you for this time. Um, stay strong. Um, make good decisions. Uh, realize that they're not yours. Position yourself in prayer and praise towards God in this time. Um, join one of our virtual cafes right now. Go ahead and click over there. Uh, if you're a parent, you've got kids. Uh, Holly and the, and the Journey team, if you go to the Journey Facebook group page or go to that the main Paradox page, um, paradoxchurch.com slash updates, there's a link that will get you there where there's lots of parent uh, material so that you can host church for your kids. Maybe later today, maybe this morning, anytime during the week, uh, the, those resources are there. Paradox Church, you are so loved. Thank you for the time this morning. 
Thank you for listening to the Paradox Church podcast. If you want more information about us or to just get connected, please visit our website at www.paradoxchurch.com. We would love to hear from you.